Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Right now, Rasmus Dahlin, middle stat. Greenway is in front, trying to take the eyes away. Middle stat sees that. Pass across, they score! Rasmus Dahlin goes to the far post and in overtime, the Buffalo Sabres win it in Tampa 3-2. The Sabres winning in overtime the other night against the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2 and uh, Rasmus Dahlin getting his 15th of the season, topping defenseman again in goals, or on the top of the board I should say, amongst defensemen and goals, but also a huge win for this team that is looking for wins by any means necessary. And in that last segment, ranting about how big of jerks that the Sabres can be in these moments right now, going to overtime against the team that they're actively chasing in the wild card hunt. Uh, however, a win's a win, and you got two points instead of just one, and that's big in those kinds of situations. But what does it mean for the rest of this season? Buffalo's 10 points out. And they still have a lot of work to do. Will it ultimately be enough? Does any of this matter? Well, if it didn't matter, I wouldn't be bringing in Brian Koziel to uh, to trouble his day. Brian, good morning, and uh, how are you doing? Good morning, Derek. Just uh, I'm doing okay. I was already up uh, bright and early for tea to green with Evan here, so this is uh, radio number two of three today. We got we got a game tonight. I, hey, I you see got an all day. Vegas is. Vegas is in town, so that's that's nice. We have a game tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, you mentioned it's it's still mattering. Um, you know, I I go back and forth on the math of like, okay, are they truly actually in this or not? And the math says not really. And it it's just there's so many teams to hurdle um, beyond trying to maybe chase down Tampa and or Detroit. There's still just other teams in the way, and Tampa and Detroit have been playing very good hockey, Detroit especially, so uh, there's just there's a lot of points, and the Sabres have been playing better as of late, which I guess gives us some hope and maybe gives us some tease here as we head into March and into the trade deadline week upcoming, but there's still a lot of work to do in the standings. They are, they're paying for their poor start to the season for sure right now. Uh, not only paying for their poor start, Brian, but uh, one of the things that I brought up in that last segment was the fact that this team can't get to overtime in a year where everyone is doing it far more frequently than the Sabres are. Buffalo having only five wins and four losses in 
extra time, meaning that that's just not enough of collecting extra points here. You're looking at less than 10 games this entire season that have gone to overtime. The Islanders have lost 14 times in overtime alone, and it's just this is just how things are going this year. They're not doing what everyone else is in order to try to stay afloat. Yeah, I brought up some examples on post game the other night about this, and I think you're you're on you're spot on in the fact that this is one of the reasons why they are where they are in terms of the uh, the small amount of points that they have sixty through sixty games is that these other teams are figuring out ways even on nights when they don't have their quote a game uh, to grind it out and stay close and maybe get that goal in the third that gets them to overtime and even if they ultimately don't win the game, teams like the New York Islanders who have fourteen looser points are finding out ways to get those extra points. The Maple Leafs have eight. Uh, The Capitals and the Penguins, who are ahead of them right now, have nine and eight, respectively. So they're figuring it out. And, you know, I look at four games, even in this stretch, where the Sabres have played well. In January and February, the Sabres have played well enough to be a playoff team. We know, again, October, November has been uh, something that's going to haunt them for this entire season and ultimately probably will bury them. Uh, in the sense that they just they won't be able to recover from it. But there's four games to me that I look at this calendar year in January and February, which they played well, and I look at these are games that they had to figure out a way to get those loser points or get it to overtime, or maybe because now you have a goalie that's so confident in shootouts, maybe ultimately pull out a win that maybe you didn't deserve. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll start with a pair of games against really good teams. January 11th against Vancouver, and then February 6th against Dallas. A one nothing loss to the Canucks. You're playing one of the league's best teams, one of the league's highest scoring teams at home, and you hold them to one goal. When you hold a team to one goal, there is absolutely no excuse that you should not be getting points in the standings. You lose one nothing. Uka Pekalukunen plays outstanding in that game, and you lose one nothing at home. That, to me, right there, can't happen. Then you go to February 6th. A home game against Dallas, two to one, forty-eight shots on Jake Ottinger. You lose two to one in that game, and again another solid performance against a very good team in Dallas from your goaltender Uko Pekalukkanen that goes wasted. Neither of those games in which you gave up one and two against two of the best from the West in your home building, you couldn't figure out a way to at least get that to overtime. Even if you lose both of those games in overtime, and you pick up two more points. Well, now you've got 62, and you're tied with Pittsburgh. And tonight you could tie the Islanders and the Devils because you'd only be two behind them. So just those two games, and then I'll throw two more at you. Two, you know, these are all one-goal games. The losses to Anaheim, mm-hmm. both of them. You start the West Coast trip coming off of two days off, ready to go, and you fall flat in Anaheim against the Ducks and they showed up for about six minutes of that game in the third period and actually almost tied it with the goalie pulled late. Um, they ended up uh, falling there. And then the President's Day game um, a couple Mondays ago, the afternoon game against Anaheim, where you outshot and outchanced them. And it was a rare day where Uka Pekalukkanen didn't have his best stuff here over these last two months. And you found a way to lose that, lose that game again by one goal. Any of these games... You know, if you could figure out a way to get those four to the to the extra session to overtime, like you said, well, that's four additional points, and maybe in one or two of those you figure out a way to win. So let's even, you know, let's even just give them one more win out of that. That's five points now. Well, if the Sabers have sixty-five, 
guess what? They're the first team out right now. And only five behind Tampa with two in hand and, a, and a still a head-to-head to come. And we're definitely having a much different conversation. I'm, and, you know, even just give me four loser points there. If we're at 64, you know, you and I right now are really talking about how excited and meaningful this game is tonight. And, you know, we're still sitting here talking about how it has meaning, but, boy, the, the, uh, the thread of what it means here is ultimately at its last strand right now. It is very, very, very thin in terms of how they are in the playoff hopes. And I just even, you know, we, we can sit here all day and talk about October, November, December and how they just ruined themselves and buried themselves. But even, even as of late, those games ultimately came down to the fact that when they needed a goal, they couldn't get it. And those two on home ice, when you score zero and one, when your goalie deserves to win, like those are really, really disappointing. If the Sabres do play well here these last two months and fall a few points short, like I'm going to point to those four games right there. Those two at home, you had to have points, and two against a very bad Ducks team that you got swept. Yeah. And uh, getting swept by the Ducks, that was probably the uh, the death knell of this team when it comes to realistic playoff hopes this season. But what have they done since that Ducks game is remind everyone of the expectations that were brought upon them this year, which is winning for their last five games, getting themselves as close as possible um, when it comes to a potential rebound. And now you're lining up to probably the biggest murderer's row of opponents that you can right now. You looked good against Florida. You couldn't tie that one up. That's, again, back to that overtime problem that this team has been having. But... They looked good against the Panthers. They've won all these games. And something that they haven't consistently done this year is take care of the bottom feeders. Uh, Montreal, Columbus took care of it. Carolina, you beat a very good Hurricanes team. And now in comes Vegas, Winnipeg, and then you're on the road for Toronto and Nashville, Edmonton and Detroit coming up there. So it's a very tough road here, but if the Sabres somehow come out of this on the positive side... um, not that there should be any optimism flowing through the team based on this season. Uh, it is potentially when I when I say that they're the most evil fan or franchise in pro sports right now, Brian. This is what I'm talking about. If they come out of this stretch in any sort of positive way, all we're going to do is look back at the start of the season and go, "What could have been?" Yep. This stretch that you're talking about here. This is nine consecutive opponents that are in a playoff spot dating back to the Sunday game against Carolina in which they won uh, in a shootout but Carolina Florida and Tampa this week those are all um, currently teams that are holding a playoff spot you mentioned Vegas and Winnipeg this weekend they are doing very well out in the west right now Winnipeg's in second in the central the Golden Knights are in central of the Pacific Toronto we know of course they're very good Nashville's holding on to the wild card spot number two right now in the west and uh, Edmonton, of course, has been outstanding this year. Uh, they've really turned things around. So, yeah, and then Detroit, as you mentioned, to go back. So nine straight opponents against the play- against teams that are in the playoffs. Right now they're 2-1 so far. And if they could come out of this nine-game stretch with like a 6-3 and three record, well, then good. Then the rest of the season maybe has some meaning, and maybe they have figured out a way to get themselves back in it. There is at least... The argument to be made that the two teams that are still in the wild card, that are holding the two wild card spots in the East, that the Sabres could run them down. Detroit, right now, is holding down wild card spot one, and you're 12 back. Now, that right there, you're thinking, Brian, 12. Let's forget it. But you have three head to head matchups with Detroit. Now, you'd have to go 3 and 0 in all of it to make it interesting, but at least that brings Detroit into play. 
If you're thinking Tampa's the easier team to catch, which I agree is, because you have two less games played. So there's two there and a head-to-head still to come, which, ironically enough, is the last game of the season. So that would be fun if the last game of the season still had some meaning at that point. So, But these other teams, like Pittsburgh, you had a chase. Well, they've played three less games, so that's annoying in that sense. And you don't have any more head-to-heads with them. The Devils, you have one more head-to-head with. The Islanders, you've got one more head-to-head with. And the Capitals, you've got a pair with. In April, they could be caught for sure uh, with those head-to-head matchups. But you're going to have to play almost perfect in these games. So, again, the opportunity is there. The math says, though, I mean, you're going to have to play, you know, you're going to have to win at like 80% of your points here, which they haven't done this year. So, you know, look at their point-a-game team. 60 games played, 60 points. So that's not, you know, going forward, they're going to be needed to be at a much, much, much higher clip points percentage-wise if they're going to get themselves legitimately in this race. And one of the things, though, Brian, about why it looks like there's kind of been some stronger play from this team since the turn to 2024, it hasn't been a consistent group this year uh, when it comes to point production, anything of that sort. However, it does look like there are some players kind of rounding back into form. You're seeing Tage Thompson start to act like Tage Thompson again and start taking those chances, the one-on-one, the creativity, and also finally getting some goal production again. He's been outstanding as of late. The only thing that's just not there compared to last year is the fact that, you know, last year we know he scored basically almost every game, uh, or it felt like it there during that stretch uh, to close the year. Yeah, this year we know his numbers are, are way down. He knows they're way down. But his play as of late has been the best of the season. And even just, um, you know, Rasmus Dahlin saying he got the, he, he's, he used the uh, phrase, you know, he's got the swag back or whatever he said the other night uh, that he's coming in now with the thought of I'm going to score here. I'm going to go by this guy. I'm going to go through this guy. I'm going to go around this guy. I'm going to set up this player to shoot as a screen and shoot through him and ultimately score. And maybe the power play itself can benefit too. It's been, I'll say somewhat better as of late. If the Sabres are going to finish this season strong in the standings, it's going to be because they also get some actual contributions from their power play, which they haven't for the entire season. And, of course, a big piece of that is Tage Thompson. I mean, you look at what he's done still goal-wise here. He's still way down from where he was last year. I mean, 18 goals. And, you know, last year we were thinking, could he get to 50? This year, he might... You know, I think getting to 30, if you look at the pace he's on right now, could be a struggle. So uh, it's going to be a disappointing number season for him, no doubt. But, you know, he on the ice in terms of what we're seeing from his play, uh, we've seen the best of his season so far here over the last few weeks. And, And another player who's been emerging really well. And this is something that Paul Hamilton has said. Countless times. How many broadcasts have we heard this, uh, Brian, uh, from you, me, any you know, anyone listening? Um, their best guys haven't been their best guys. Thompson's kind of coming back into form, but so has Rasmus Dahlin, especially with the minutes that he's been playing as of late. He has. I mean, he had a stretch there where he played 29 minutes, I think six or seven games in a row, which set a franchise record. Uh, the other night he was actually joking after the win in Tampa how he said – uh, when asked how he only pl- he only again only only played twenty seven fifty five, and uh, he kind of chuckled and said, "Yep, I had a lot more energy tonight because I got less ice time." <laughs> I mean, obviously twenty seven fifty five is an insane number to play uh, in the NHL, and also too like his shifts are not sit back and relax shifts here, Derek. I mean, you've seen them. He is. 
going coast to coast, carrying the puck quite a bit. Um, it is, it's not, these are high effort shifts to use a, a, a phrase there that we like to use high effort, right? I think. Yeah. Uh, these, these aren't shifts where he's just kind of sitting around floating, uh, or going through some sort of drill here. The, he is going hard in these shifts. So, uh, full, you know, respect to that. We know Dolly in his career seems to thrive when he plays more kind of almost on the every other shift basis for the Sabres right now, in terms of what they have on the back end defensively, in terms of what they bring offensively, probably is needed and required that he plays almost in every other shift basis. So, um, to, you know, to, to, to quote Paul Hamilton, what he always says, the Sabres' best players have to be their best because they're not as deep as some of these other teams if they're going to be great. And that includes the two guys you just brought up, Thompson and Darlene. If they're not great, the Sabres are going nowhere. Now, we speak on the depth of this team, Brian, and it's something I saw that you had tweeted uh, based on questionable decision-making, I would say, uh, from head coach Don Granato of shortening the bench uh, against Tampa. And one of the players that was affected there was probably their best player on five-on-five chances created, and that was Peyton Krebs. We got to see a little taste of him getting extended ice time with players that aren't Zemgus Gergensen's and Eric Robinson, and yet here we are again, six games later, and his line mates are again Eric Robinson and Zemgus Gergensen's. What did he do? I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't. The other night when he said, Granado said about shortening the bench, um, okay, I'm not against that strategy. Hey, in the third period, you need a goal. You're you're down by you know you're down by a goal here. You need one. Well, okay. Put out the guys that are creating the most offensive opportunities. Well, that was clearly Peyton Krebs. He was one of those guys. Now I don't want to. I don't want to just like say like this is the reason that this season has gone down the tank. But as of late, Peyton Krebs has played his best hockey of the season, and he's been setting up guys and making plays like you know was on his resume when he came in the Eichel trade from Vegas. He's making these plays that have created really good scoring opportunities. The other night against Tampa, I counted three. Very, very good plays and passes that he set up teammates for to set up legit what you'd call those high-danger scoring opportunities, and including one to Gergensen's where he rifled it off the crossbar that, you know, if that goes in, obviously maybe uh, the game plays out even better in their favor. But um, he was one of those players. Skinner didn't play a lot of even-strength shifts, just power play in the third. Oposo just played, um, after his first shift, just a penalty kill shift. So, you know, I get maybe what he's doing with trying to strategize in the third, I just, personnel-wise, that wouldn't have been the player maybe that I would have chosen uh, to take off here. Again, I don't want to overreact in terms of saying, like, this is the reason that this team is terrible is because they're playing Peyton Krebs on a different line. But it seems like you are you are not putting, you, it's the square holes or the circle in the square hole mentality. You're not utilizing what he does well. And what he does well has been really good as of late. So I feel like, why aren't you pushing that envelope right now to see if you can continue to get the best out of him? Uh, instead, you know, he's on a line that is just, you know, it's not meant to create tons of scoring opportunities with him right now with Robinson and Gergensen's. And Paul tweeted out from the morning skate that that's who he has, you know, going together again. I even wanted to give Granado the benefit of the doubt after he was kind of pressed on it the other night about, hey, what, you know, what did Peyton do wrong? Like, what's going on there? And he said, well, we were looking for specific matchups uh, specifically tonight against Tampa. And I thought, OK, well, maybe there's something there. Game plan wise, that he obviously and he and his coaching staff saw that thought maybe this would be better to put Krebs there. So I figured, okay, maybe against Vegas tonight he's going to put it back. Well, at least as of the morning skate, it hasn't. So uh, mm-hmm. that's 
you know, that's to me, it's disappointing. Again, I, I, I wouldn't call it drastic, but it's disappointing because Krebs, to me, over the last two weeks, when he did uh, make that line change, I thought played the best hockey he had this season. Yeah, and uh, when you were when you were out for a couple a couple of days with um, with the Minnesota and Anaheim games, and I was there for that. Um, a lot of what we focused on, Paul, Pat, and I was Peyton Krebs uh, on those lines and uh, and seeing what he can create. And he was he wasn't putting up points per se in those two games, but he was creating a lot of action, a lot of consistency with dangerous chances. Anaheim game in particular. Uh, so I was very interested to see how long of a run he would get with these uh, with these opportunities here. And that brings me to my next subject here, Brian, which is there's still kind of this weird logjam for a team that doesn't have as much depth as it should. And what does this team do at the trade deadline? Good question. Do you, I mean, does this even weekend maybe sway Kevin Adams to go one way or the other? If the Sabres go 2-0... and this weekend, is he maybe more tempted into trying to get a player that can help them right away? I think from what he said before, he says that you know he's not interested in trading for futures, and that means long-term prospects and draft picks. So I think that's – I'm in agreement with that. So I say, good, Kevin Adams, I agree with that. Um, I would want him to do that. If I was advising him, I would say, look, you need to start taking advantage of the fact that you have a what's known to be a good prospect pool, what's known to be as a young group of, of players, not only on the NHL roster, but on your minor league rosters, uh, on you know junior teams, college teams, you have those there. And you also have more draft picks than the average team. So that should be what he should be taking advantage of. Now, is it hard to maybe get a hockey-ready player? And what I mean by is, you know, an NHL player that can play for them right now to make this season better beyond this year? Most of the guys that are traded right now, we know, are with expiring contracts. Now, we saw the TANF trade the other day with Dallas and Calgary involved, and that the rumors for Sabres were right in on that, but TANF had the uh, modified no-trade clause and obviously maybe exercised it to go somewhere else. Uh, but the rumor was maybe that he was looking to sign an extension. So that doesn't put that out of play. We know the Sabres have cap space just because an unrestricted uh, free agent is upcoming here at the season's end doesn't mean that the Sabres couldn't trade for them. It just means that you know Kevin Adams would doing, be doing his homework, which I'm sure he is, about maybe if he, is, if he values this player uh, for the future, that they could sign him to an extension as a part of the trade. And it sounds like Kevin Adams is interested in making those type of trades. Players that have term left or players that he knows that he can get an agreement with done. I don't think Kevin Adams, um, even if they go like 2-0 this, this weekend and all of a sudden you're like, ooh, it's kind of enticing, maybe they're in this here. I don't see Kevin Adams giving up really anything of value to get, a, to get the, uh, the short-term fix here, like the player that's going to play for just the final month of the year. I don't see that. I think... If he's looking to get an NHL player, it's going to be someone that has term left on his deal or he knows that he can negotiate uh, to get that long-term extension done, that it'll be someone that's a piece that's playing beyond just this April. So, um, you know, this weekend you go 0-2, and maybe he's even more enticed to to sell some other pieces uh, that are possibly out there. We know Oposo, we know Gergensen's, we know Eric Johnson. Those seem to be the names um, that are out there that are all going to be uh, free agents at the end of the season that are all veterans that maybe all would have an interest in going somewhere to try and do some damage in the playoffs. I would probably put Oposo at the top of that list. Now, you don't know if Oposo ultimately 
you know, has said that he wants to be traded. Maybe, you know, he's at the end of his career here. Maybe he says, look, I've got a family here. I want to stay here. Just, you know, my wish would be to finish it out here. And I would respect that if that's what Kevin, if Mm -hmm. that's what Kyle Oposo wanted uh, to do. And, you know, I, I don't think Derek, any of these three players that I'm naming here are getting the Sabres back like difference making things in return. And that's no, that's no disrespect to any of them, but um, these are probably, you know, fourth liners, third at best, you know, maybe prospects, you know, maybe mid to late draft picks, you know, for these players. So I, I don't think if you held on to Kyle Oposo, it's not like, oh, my God, we could be getting a number one draft pick back in return for him if we moved him. Like, it's too bad he doesn't want to leave. Like, no, that's, you know, that wouldn't happen mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, you know what? If we can try to end this on some optimism, the Leafs traded a third rounder for Ilya Labushkin. So, right? There's hope. And, of course... We always reference that Darcy Regeer got a first-round draft pick for Paul Gostad. Never right? forget. <laughs> Never and forget. Maybe maybe Zemgus Gergensen is worth a second-round draft pick then. Who I, knows? Who knows? But at the very least, <laughs> you could be hopeful that you add another mid-round pick or something like that that can be packaged in a deal in the offseason. So there's hope abound here, Brian. And also, another thing about it is Kevin Adams' drafting quality, especially with second and second-round picks and even some later ones right now, I would like to hope that there are players that you can select in the second or third round and expect that some of them can actually end up playing for your team because while those odds aren't as high, back when a certain Tim Murray was here, they were basically zero when it wasn't like the second overall pick. Yeah. No, I I think, you know, Adams has some options here available to him. The only move that I would be discouraging him against is you know, if you're gonna move, if you're gonna trade Casey Middlestat or someone beyond just these vet- those three veterans that I just mentioned, whose you know time is running out here, mm-hmm. um, it has to be for an NHL player back that's ready to play and fills a void. And it's not just the same type of player coming back. The Sabers have a lot of same type of similar player at forward. Um, I think it's the player. Here's the phrase we like to use, right? Player that's tough to play against. Um, there has to be some of that with a player with skill, not just a bruiser that has no offensive skill. Like the, You've got to find more players that are willing to be a little harder to play against. And if that means a defenseman, uh, that's also... I think Casey Middlestack could, could land you a defenseman that ultimately could be in the top four. I think his value is that. He's had a really good year statistically. Um, at this moment, he still is cheap to another team. Uh, he'd be valuable to a power play. So I could see Middlestack having a lot of suitors if that's where... Uh, if that's where he would want to move someone that maybe I think could get you a lot of value in return. Brian, we'll see what happens. And like you said, their direction could change even just as of this weekend and the pair of games there. They finally have a back-to-back, and that's uh, that's going to be fascinating to know what they do in net there as well as UPL's played. They're probably not going to play him back-to-back against Vegas and Winnipeg. That's just a buzzsaw, and even as well as he's played. Uh, unless he gets a shutout tonight, I don't know if they're going to play him twice in a row here. I would think not, but Granado just spoke and did say that you know they're going to wait in terms of like totally making the choices with the goalie. He just said he's not going to discount Lukanen playing both games because of the fact that there's no travel because it's home home. Um, it'll kind of maybe depend on the workload and how he feels after this game tonight. So Lukanen is in tonight. Now, it does seem like Eric Comrie, you know, against Winnipeg, he's played great against his former team in the couple of starts he's had as a Sabre. That seems to make sense. Um, but who knows? I mean, 
if somehow Lukanen has a light night and he feels great, you know, at least Don Granado, who just spoke with the media here, you'll hear that interview on pregame tonight, uh, said that he's not closing the door on possibly thinking that Lukanen could go two in a row. Yeah, and if that happens, that's just a far cry of where Sabres fans thought he was at the end of last year. It's the story of the season number one at the top by far, Derek. If you said, what's the number one positive story of this season? There's been a lot of things for us to list of why it hasn't gone well, but I think it's the clear one that the Sabres have found something in Ukopekalukanen. And if Devin Levi continues to progress and can take Rochester maybe far in the playoffs and have a great year, well, maybe you're going to have a great one-two young punch of goalies going forward, and Kevin Adams can actually cross that off his list in terms of his NHL roster of things to worry about for next year. Yeah, and that's not something that you see often in, in this in this league is seeing a young goaltending duo that could go one-two. Not since, what, the Sabres playoff runs with uh, with yeah. the Drury and Briere teams with Baron and Miller in net. That's right. It'd be great to have that consistency you know with those two in and you know we know Levi loves to play a ton um, we know we don't have a huge sample size of it uh, but now it shows that Lukanen also can handle playing a lot of games here but you're right they haven't had back-to-back um, since late January and that was the last time that we saw Devin Levi play so um, we'll see if uh, the Sabres Switch it up this weekend. And, you know, as Don Granato said, a lot of it will be answered tonight. If we, you know, Vegas puts up 40 shots on them and it's a high effort energy game, maybe overtime, shootout, that sort of thing, well, then that might answer our question. If Vegas has uh, only 20 shots and the Sabres win two to nothing or something like that, well, maybe, maybe he'll be tempted to throw Lucan back in tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Well, Brian, let's see what they've got in store for us because uh, for now, we're just going to have to wait. But you have yourself yet another busy day here. You started us off with uh, Tita Green, and I'm glad to see that you and the boys are back. And, of course, thank you for coming on here as we hear you later tonight at 6 o'clock. Thanks, Derek. Uh, and Paul Hamilton just let me know on pregame tonight. He just spoke with Don Granado, as I mentioned. Uh, he'll have interviews with Alex Tuck and also with Casey Middlestat, which, of course, we know has uh, been a juicy topic as of late. So those will be our pregame interviews tonight starting at 6 o'clock. All right, Brian. Thanks as always, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you before puck drop. Thanks, Derek. Have a great day. That's that's Brian Koziel, your host for Tita Green, your host for the Buffalo Sabres Radio Network here joining us on the West Her Hotline. We're in, we're back out as the first hour is going to wrap up here on Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer here with you. We've got another couple hours. Let's have some fun here on WGR. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.